0: Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about elective joint replacement. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash joint replacement or in the orthopedic section of the Zero to Finals surgery book. So let's get straight into it. The most common joints replaced electively are the hip, knee and Shoulder. The most common indication is osteoarthritis and most patients that have an elective joint replacement are over the age of 60. Artificial joints are built to last more than 10 to 15 years. However, they may be affected by loosening, wear and dislocation. Some patients may require further surgery and replacement of the artificial joint at some point. Joint replacement is major surgery. Patients need to have the alternatives discussed before deciding to undergo surgery. Other options for osteoarthritis include analgesia, steroid injections and physiotherapy. Let's talk about the indications. Osteoarthritis is the most common indication for elective joint replacement. It's not usually performed until symptoms are severe and not manageable with conservative treatments. Joint replacement may also be required for fractures, septic arthritis, osteonecrosis, bone tumors and rheumatoid arthritis. These indications mean that joint replacement may be required at any age, including young people. Let's talk about the options. There are several options for elective joint replacement surgery. Total joint replacement, which means replacing both articular surfaces of the joint hemiarthroplasty which involves replacing half of the joint, for example the head of the femur in the hip joint, and partial joint resurfacing which involves replacing part of the joint surfaces, for example only the medial joint surfaces in the knee. Let's talk about total hip replacement. Usually a lateral incision over the outer aspect of the hip is used. The hip joint is dislocated or separated to give access to both articular surfaces. The head of the femur is removed and a metal or ceramic replacement for the head of the femur on a metal stem is used to replace it. The stem can either be cemented into the shaft of the femur or carefully pushed into the shaft to make a tight enough fit to hold it securely in place. Uncemented stems have a rough surface that holds them tightly in place The acetabulum or the socket of the pelvis is hollowed out and replaced with a metal socket which is cemented or screwed into place A spacer is used between the head and the socket to complete the new artificial joint Next let's talk about total knee replacements Usually a vertical anterior incision is made down the front of the knee The patella is rotated out of the way to allow access to the knee joint. The articular surfaces, which is the cartilage and some of the bone, of the femur and the tibia are removed and a new metal surface replaces these. The new metal surfaces can either be cemented or pushed tightly into place. A spacer is added between the new articular surfaces of the femur and the tibia to complete the new artificial joint. Next let's talk about total shoulder replacement. Usually an anterior incision is made down the front of the shoulder along the deltoid. The shoulder joint is dislocated or separated to give access to both articular surfaces. The head of the humerus is removed and replaced with a metal or ceramic ball. This replacement head is attached to the humerus either by a metal stem or by screws, which is a stemless replacement. The glenoid or socket is hollowed out and replaced by a metal socket. This completes the artificial shoulder joint. We need to talk about reverse total shoulder replacement. A reverse total shoulder replacement involves adding a sphere in the place of the glenoid, which is the socket, and a spacer with a cup to replace the head of the humerus. This reverses the normal ball in cup structure of the shoulder joint, but the joint function remains the same. Next let's talk about what's involved before joint replacement surgery. Planning for joint replacement surgery will involve x-rays, CTs or MRI scans which may be required for more detailed assessment, pre-operative assessment or pre-op, consent for surgery, Blood tests, including a group and save sample and cross-matching units of blood if significant bleeding is expected. Medication changes may be required, for example temporarily stopping anticoagulation. A venous thromboembolism risk assessment. Fasting immediately before surgery. And a very important step is marking the limb with a permanent marker or some other means with the patient being awake to ensure the operation is performed on the correct joint. Let's talk about during surgery. Joint replacement surgery requires a general anaesthetic. Alternatively, a spinal anaesthetic may be used for lower limb surgery. Prophylactic antibiotics are given before the procedure to reduce the risk of infection tranexamic acid may be used to minimize blood loss during the procedure. Next let's talk about after surgery. Post-operative management after joint replacement surgery involves analgesia for pain, physiotherapy to guide when and how to mobilize, venous thromboembolism prophylaxis, post-operative x-rays, post-operative full blood counts to check for anemia and blood loss, and monitoring for complications, for example deep vein thrombosis or infection. Venous thromboembolism prophylaxis usually involves low molecular weight heparin. The 2018 NICE guidelines on VTE prophylaxis have specific recommendations on potential regimes that can be used after joint replacement surgery, and see the full national and local guidelines when you're treating patients. This involves the option of low molecular weight heparin for 28 days post-elective hip replacement or 14 days post-elective knee replacement. Other measures that may be used for venous thromboembolism prophylaxis after joint surgery are aspirin, doax, for example rivaroxaban, or anti-embolic stockings. But these choices will be guided by the national and local guidelines. Let's talk about the risks of joint replacement surgery. The generic risks are the risk of anaesthetic, pain, bleeding, infection and infection of the prosthesis can be highly problematic which we'll talk about in more detail shortly. Damage to nearby structures, for example damaging nerves or arteries, stiffness or restricted range of motion in the joint, joint dislocation, loosening of the joint replacement, fracture during the procedure and venous thromboembolism, for example a deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolism, which is a very important complication that can be life-threatening. Finally, let's talk in more detail about prosthetic joint infections. Infections in a prosthetic joint is a big problem. This occurs in around 1% of joint replacements and extensive measures are taken to prevent it such as perioperative prophylactic antibiotics. It's more likely to occur in revision surgery rather than the initial joint replacement. And the most common organism is Staphylococcus aureus, which is a common skin organism. The risk factors for prosthetic joint infection are prolonged operative time, obesity and diabetes. Symptoms of infection include fever, pain, swelling, erythema and increased warmth around the joint replacement. Diagnosis involves a combination of clinical findings, x-rays, blood tests with raised inflammatory markers, cultures, for example blood cultures or synovial fluid cultures and findings during further operations. Management of prosthetic joint infections involves repeat surgery and prolonged antibiotics over months. Surgery may involve joint irrigation, washing the joint out, debridement of infected material or complete replacement. So thanks for listening to this episode on elective joint replacement. As always a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about fractures